0: Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart Podcast. This is a show about everything mountain biking, from trail guides to equipment and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray, usual host, joined by Tom Bell. As always, how are you doing Tom?
1: Hi Colin, yeah, good thanks. How's things with you?
0: Yeah, not too bad at all. It's uh, not a bad day outside. It's been a decent day. I actually cycled into work today for the first time in ages. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah, we we moved into town recently, so uh, we're closer by my work. At, we were like ten, twelve miles out before, so it was a uh, you could cycle it if you if you had to, but it was um, it was enough to put me off being lazy. Yeah, basically.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so How I'm far like, do you have to ride now? Then
0: no, it's just a few miles, so it's nothing really. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, it just means I'll be doing a wee bit every day there and back um, there's a hill in the way back so there's a wee bit of exercise but it means I can do uh, there's less barriers to doing a bit of a longer ride as in taking a wee detour on the way to work to yeah. get some training and just on the way there um, it's kind of adding a wee bit extra so no I'm really enjoying it it's good actually uh, it's makes good. a difference just getting a few miles a day I think yeah, I think
1: it does. I think a lot of people tend to, like you say, either elongate the ride into work or or make it a longer loop on the way home. So I think most uh, time crunch riders use the commute for, uh, you know, training and getting that extra. Those extra few miles in, so it's uh, yeah. it's always good.
0: Yes, indeed. I have to uh, have to admit it's a it's a skinny wheel bike that I'm used to get to work. The yeah. mountain bike doesn't quite suit it. But there's actually there's um, so regular like listeners will know I live in Dundee. Probably moved here a a while back now. Uh, and there is a good there's a good local trail. It's not long. It's not like amazing by any means. But it's a decent little trail around uh, a place called Camperden Park just outside Dundee. And there's actually a wee skills loop i mean it's just literally a uh, probably 60 seconds top to bottom um but it could be a wee detour with a mountain bike in the way there so actually i could be Ooh. pretty much off road all the way to my office with a few little detours um putting that wee skills loop in as well so might do that someday as well just try and work out a wee route that takes maybe 30 40 minutes into work but takes that a that just through the forest at least in the morning yeah, I could do that. Um, I think you don't have to. You don't have like an office or anywhere. You do your uh, your kind of more adminy work. Do you, you just do your stuff at home?
1: I do. Yeah. yeah. I work from home. So yeah. I, uh, I coach quite a few, um, road cyclists and mountain bikers. Obviously I can just do that with a laptop kind of yeah. from anywhere. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we record the podcast. We yeah. just sat here at
0: home recording yeah. the podcast. So it's and, not, uh, not like you've got a commuter or anything. <laughs>
1: no, it's, uh, the, the, my sort of office and commute and all that's just out on the, uh, on the mountain bike and, uh, on the road bike training really. So, yeah. uh, yeah, the rest of the stuff's done at home mostly. <laughs> Or abroad cool. if I'm traveling as well. Yeah, in plane, I, that
0: even, kind of thing. <laughs> <better>. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So, on this episode, we're on episode uh, 10 of season three. So, if you want us to pop over, see the show notes, Tom will write them up straight after the episode and you'll get all the details, all the resources. If you revisit anything, go to mountainbikesapart.com forward slash 310. And you'll find there the coverage of what we're going to cover this episode, which is I wanted to go into a wee bit around your current training, Tom, because you're into. Race season now, pretty heavily, aren't you?
1: I am. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of the uh the the heart of the season you might say yeah. the national championships and uh, some of the big important races kind of coming up in the next in the next month or so
0: yeah so when you're when you're racing that much I was kind of curious how you fit training in too like whether you ramp it down a little bit What basically what it looks like during yeah. heavy race season so I want to go through that maybe um, talk about that for a little while and then for the main content we've got a question from Stephen McLaughlin around bike maintenance so there's a few things we want to cover around how to how to get better at it how to how to learn uh courses that type of stuff so we'll go over everything we know about sort of getting better improving your bike maintenance as well as the kind of i don't know the, the common things that you should be thinking about doing and maybe how to find out where uh, sorry where to find out how to do those common tasks so that's something we will come come on to uh the second half of the show as well so hope that sounds good um Yeah, again, mountainbikespart.com forward slash 310 for follow ups and uh, you can find everything to review what we talk about there. But for now, let's get into the training stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you're like say where you're quite busy just now with the races themselves. So are you doing more or less training now than you would do over the winter, say, or the spring season when you're ramping up?
1: Yeah, so it, it definitely does change just because um, when you've got a race at the weekend, typically you're going to try and rest a little bit coming yeah. into the race. So maybe that's uh, one day if it's not a particularly big race or a particularly pri- prioritized race. And then obviously on the other other side of things, so the Monday, um, and the, the start of the next week, you obviously are trying to recover a little bit from that that race that's probably taken it out of you a bit as well. So yeah, yeah. you've kind of got two maybe three days there where you know you would usually be training a fair amount that you're just kind of recovering or resting uh for a race so it it does change and uh yeah in the season when i've got a kind of race uh races on back-to-back weekends there'll be there'll be less sort of training volume
0: yeah yeah because it's i i I mean the way a lot of people do their training is that they'll have a race once uh, like a couple of times a year, you know, they're training yeah. towards a big marathon or a, you know, some kind of big race that's their big event yeah, exactly. for that quarter or that half year. And therefore they taper for a week or even two weeks before it, if it's a really yeah. big one, but yeah. you're, you can't taper when you're racing every week or every two weeks or every four weeks or whatever it is. So, you know. yeah.
1: Well, what I try to do is block my kind of racing. So, um so that I can kind of taper for, for a, a, sort of racing period mm-hmm. so i'll try to have sort of three weeks of racing and kind of block it together and mm-hmm. then um have a month or so where i'm not doing much racing and oh, i can just okay. concentrate on training and then i go back to uh to a to a racing block so in mm-hmm. the in those sort of weeks where i'm racing the the training's almost kind of been done it's just a case of staying sharp throughout yeah. the week um, and then when, once that kind of block of racing's over, I sort of go back and uh, build the volume back up to hopefully um, increase the fitness a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, w- would it be make sense to if you're trying to taper down for a bigger race during that yeah. week, you could do some skills training or would that would you try and stay off that as well?
1: Yeah, no, I do. Um, I mean, I try to. I try to make the training in those weeks where I'm sort of where I've got a race of the weekend. It's in that sort of racing block. I try to make. Uh, more time i I try to spend more time on the mountain bike um and just make things you know more specific so i might do some of my interval training off-road just keep the skills sharp as well as the kind of fitness side of things yeah so uh yeah and i I typically ride the road bike a bit more when i'm sort of in that training block and then Mm -hmm. i'll transition to spending a bit more time on the uh on on the mountain bike and the the fat tires yeah yeah through that, through I'm those
0: those again. weeks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are there? I mean, so your races are actually pretty. They're they're not regular, are they? It's not like you've got one every two weeks or anything like that. You you can no. just choose which ones you go along to because you can get points anywhere, can't you?
1: Yeah, I can. So I, um, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll just, um, plan at the start of the year or sort of somewhere through the year, the sort of blocks that are where, where those blocks are going to come. And then yeah. generally speaking, because I race internationally, I can kind of fly to, uh, so there's, the, there's enough races on throughout that kind of, uh, mid, you know, the, the proper season that I can sort of pick and choose which ones I might want to do. Um, yeah. uh, you know, bearing in mind that, uh, some countries are easier to get to than others but generally speaking uh there's going to be a, a uci race somewhere in europe or one of the british series races as well so yeah, yeah yeah typically it's not too hard to find a race but you're right it's not it's not like every two weeks um or every week and that kind of thing
0: yeah well but some people will presumably be racing like that i mean you get um for example the scottish cross-country series which i've mentioned yeah. before on the show that's one that is on a regular basis it's can't remember the exact frequencies every two weeks Um, i think
1: there's probably there's probably five or six uh there's probably five or six races in the series i would think sometimes there's seven yeah um but yeah they're, they're probably once every two i'd say two or three weeks there's i'm sure there's there's an event and that goes for quite a lot of the regional ones so there's
0: um the the midland series or the southern series and that kind of thing yeah so So when you're i mean when you're racing a series like that you're racing quite you know like you say we're racing quite often how would you how would you set up your training for that then when you you can't just block it and take a time off for training how would you do that
1: yeah well if, if i guess it's for me, I'm always trying to sort of have a peak performance at these races where a lot of people, uh, I'd say the vast majority of racers, are just, um, that, you know, that's what they like to do. They like to race and they, uh, are just trying to, um, do as many races as they can. So if I wanted to, I could, um, I could kind of almost race every weekend. Like we said, there's mm. enough races to choose from, but, um, if you're kind of looking to have standout performances at certain races, it's it's hard to stay, you know, at a consistently high level throughout the whole year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas some people are happy to just to have like, just to kind of stay at a certain level and race all throughout the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, su- I mean, I suppose it's, that, that's the case with most sports isn't it like you're a football player you've got to be at the top of your game for six months or whatever the yeah, season lasts yeah. so they're training a couple of times a week and they're it's not like they're tapering or anything like that it's it's a different thing entirely but it i is. suppose a regular bike racer must be in that kind of frame of mind they're just doing their regular training just gradually building gradually building and the races maybe are count, they would count as part of that training i guess wouldn't they or, yeah
1: oh definitely yeah. And, and i do as well you know they're they're they're, they're very intense and and, uh, they definitely do give you quite, a, quite a fitness boost. Um, mm. it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a case for me of, um, I have to kind of get, uh, blocks of training in. Yeah. And, um, mm. if I'm just, if I was racing kind of back to back every weekend, I'd that, that training volume would have to come down. Yeah. Whereas most people, you know, the, the, typical time crunched you know uh, full-time job uh, races they they have a limited amount of time to train in the week anyway so yeah. they might as well just do as much as they can uh, throughout the week and then and then
0: race at the weekend yeah yeah i mean, yeah. I, I mean is it easy to to overtrain <laughs> is it something uh, that a lot of people do or is it actually quite hard to do enough to get to that state
1: yeah i think I think in terms of burning out more more sort of mentally rather than physically is quite easy to do especially right. if um you know you spend a lot of time on a turbo trainer or something like yeah, that it yeah. can get quite Tedious quite quickly, so I think there's quite a lot of people that sort of mentally burn out.
0: Um, So it's motivation that ebbs rather than their actual energy or their body breaking down.
1: Yeah, I think I mean physically, people can definitely overtrain as well, especially with this sort of notion that the higher the intensity, the better. So a lot of um, those that don't have much time will try and make every every training session very intense, and it's it's quite stressful on the body and that that kind of the the uh, fitness that you gain from that stagnates quite quickly just because you you can't just keep doing it week after week after yeah. week and um and, and kind of not burn out so it's it's quite easy from that point of view for the time crunch people as i keep saying and yeah. then for me and other full-time riders just they you tend to have an idea that a mistaken idea that the more the better so mm. the more training you do the more the the more hours the more intensity all this sort of stuff the better but it's definitely about finding a balance and what works for you so yeah. some people get a some people have a sweet spot of say uh 10 to 12 hours a week some need 20 plus to uh to to stay you know on on a level so it's just
0: it's very individual yeah that's cool so it's just going out and experimenting trying different frequencies seeing how your body responds i suppose that's it yeah yeah that's cool okay no i was just really curious actually just um yeah just because of that sort of standard approach like you're training for a marathon three months and then a taper but it's a completely different thing isn't it if you're doing a a, a yearly your year round sport where you're trying to grow points and get up in the league I suppose yeah
1: exactly yeah it's tough right. Cool.
0: Okay, no worries. Let's move on to the question then. So we've got one from uh, Stephen McLaughlin. Actually, we'll just before I move on to that, just to make sure, asking for feedback as well, because I'd love to hear what people think. Uh, if you're a racer, you're doing a lot of events out there, do get in touch. Let us know what you think, how you go about it. What do you do? Do you taper for races? If you're, if you're doing a series, one of these local series we mentioned, how do you plan in your training? Is there anything special you do? Or do you just go for it and just uh, hope it all works out be good to hear the types of approaches people take Uh, so you can either tweet us you can get me on the podcast host on twitter or you can email in at colin at mountainbikesapart.com that's mountainbikesapart.com colin at mountainbikesapart.com so send me an email and let me know what you think and we'll include it on future shows so, yeah, onto the question. So this is one that was emailed in in the same way, emailed into that address by Stephen McLaughlin, and it was around bike maintenance. So here's what Stephen said. He said, uh, just starting out myself, bought a run down Trek 4400 and getting it track worthy at the moment. Would like good advice on bike maintenance, for example, YouTube vids or good websites, uh, looking at Seth's bike hacks or Oz Cycle for most of my stuff. And also, he's got a question at the end here, also any good tracks in Ireland? Living the West, not much development around this side of the world, but maybe some of your listeners might have ridden over here. So uh, Yeah Two things there First of which I think we We had a quick chat Before the show Any good tracks in Ireland Neither of us have a clue do we
1: No We (laughs) don't unfortunately
0: (laughs) Neither of us have run in Ireland At all And I've not even I've not really talked to anyone Who has either So We'll start that one off With uh, just asking you So if you're listening You're from Ireland Or you have any experience Of any trails over there Do send them in Give us some suggestions Again Tweet the podcast host Email Colin At mountainbikespark.com Let me know And we'll pass that on To Stephen In a future episode uh, so we'll talk about the one we do actually know something about, which is the uh, the maintenance stuff. What I wanted to do, I think there's a few things in here we should cover, Tom. I think, um, first of all, where to find guides. So good places to find them online. So there's a few there. Yeah. I think there's also stuff like uh, courses. Is it worth going in a course, like a paid course for bike maintenance? Uh, then maybe I think finish up with a list of some of the first things to learn how to do. So how to get into maintenance, what are those first tasks that's good to learn yourself? Um, which basically says what, I mean, that's around what, what is a common tune up, like what you check every, every ride, what you check yeah. weekly, what you check monthly, that type of stuff. Um, so I think we should go through it that way. So first of all, where, where did you learn? Where uh, you got any top places you go online, any uh, good guides that you find online that get you through uh, your biking? um your maintenance tasks?
1: Yeah. Um a few a few pop pop into my head uh, straight away. I would say yeah. um GMBN seemed to do um uh, some really good uh, maintenance videos, um, and they kind of—I've done so many videos that they, they cover most things uh, that uh, you know, your kind of average rider would need to uh, need to know or need to learn. So that's um, Global Mountain Bike Network. That's a YouTube channel cool. um, run by uh, former downhiller uh, Neil Donohue and a few uh, other sort of hosts. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one is uh, Park Tool. So Park oh, yeah, Tool yeah. have a really good, um, really good load of maintenance videos they have this uh, i can't remember what his name is but he's quite an eccentric uh, guy who uh, is the mechanic head kind of mechanic and uh, face of the videos uh, on park tool and he's he's really good at some uh, some hacks as well as sort of uh, maintenance tutorials
0: yeah 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 the one i use yeah it's great when you find one that's actually there's a guy with a bit of personality isn't it that's kind of what draws you in because yeah exactly there's there's plenty of services out there like there's plenty of youtube channels out there there's lots of websites that cover a lot of the stuff that you need but if you can find one that you actually get on with the person that's when you yeah. can kind of um, you can spend the time 10 20 30 minutes at a time actually looking through learning a bit more that's so always quite good um, I've not actually looked at the park ones much um so yeah I'll need to check them out
1: yeah they're, they're really good they're really they're obviously um uh, that yeah they're just really good and they obviously know what they're talking about being yeah. the uh, most
0: popular kind of bike tool company so that's a yeah. good one ah, exactly I mean park tools are pretty much standard and, and nearly any bike workshop aren't they they are yeah <laughs> so, the, I mean the one that so one recommendation I'd have is um so there's a book called Zen and the Art of Mountain Bike Maintenance. It's kind of a, <laughs> a, a piss take, I suppose, on the Zen yeah. and Art of mo- uh, Motorcycle Maintenance. Motorcycle. Yeah, uh, But it's a great book. Um, I'm just looking it up to see if there's a Zen and the Art of Mountain Bike. Uh, to see if there's a, an author I can give you. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's such a good book. It makes it all really clear. Tons of great diagrams in there. Um Looks like it's been updated quite recently, so it should have all the kind of... Yeah. Oh, actually, the one I found here is only 2010. I'll look around. We'll see if we can link to a more recent one because mountain biking stuff's changing so much that actually... Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, if you get a, if you get an old book um, this is why YouTube's so useful because if you find yeah. an old book quite often, like the parts you find there are absolutely no, nothing like the stuff you find <laughs> in the book. I've got a book from like 2005 and it's just it, completely irrelevant. Like the bits in it, the tools yeah. that it shows are just nothing like.
1: Yeah, no, my, um, uh, my, my dad's got loads of, uh, loads of old maintenance books as well with your threaded headsets and, uh, square tape and bottom brackets and that kind of thing. Yeah, so totally. Way.
0: Never seen, never yeah. seen, <laughs> haven't seen them in 10 years. Aye, but look that up, Leonard's in, uh, um, um, do you know some of the stuff though even a book like this this one i remember it covers everything um even if the tools and the components have changed a little bit at least there's there's still some stuff that never changes in terms yeah. of uh well what we're, we'll go on to which is what you should be looking at doing regularly like maintenance tasks that kind of stuff and and even just figuring out like how to rethread a wheel and things like that i mean that's like yeah, exactly yeah so it's uh, yeah leonard Zin, zinn z-i-n-n uh and the art of mountain bike Maintenance worth a look Um, The other one was, I've been trying to look it up um, just while we're speaking, because it just popped into my head as we were talking. There was one that I always used to find, a website that I always used to find that, uh, was it Devere Cycles or something like that, used to pop up all the time. Um, And it was the one that always used to pop up whenever I did a... a search for some kind of maintenance task mm. that's not it no, that's not it I'll try and look that up for afterwards that's actually a useless thing to drop in the podcast because I can't remember but I'll try and look <laughs> it up and put a, a link in the show notes but that was a really old school one. it was one of those websites that you find it looks like it was made in 1997 or something and hasn't been updated since yeah. but with the most in-depth like really useful information so I'll definitely yeah, they, try and link to that
1: they quite often have the most uh, the most in-depth kind of articles of those types of websites so. yeah they must spend all their time putting uh, putting the information in, rather than making the site look nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so I think I mean I think that's two good resources. The Park Tools one will be kept up to date with all the new bits, all the new types of cassettes yeah. and and uh, bottom brackets, and all those bits that change every blooming year just because they want to uh, get a bit more cash out of you. Um, <laughs> so it'll be updated with those, and then you can buy something like Zen in the art of Mount, art of mountain biking maintenance to kind of get the the deeper background stuff like the, the the sort of wider things that don't change much um i mean i think you, you wouldn't want to try and delve around too deeply do you? I mean, there's no need to get much beyond that i think i mean if you do a google search obviously for any kind of job that you're doing you'll find yeah. all sorts of good solutions plenty of stuff yeah. yeah and of course i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the fact that we've got a few uh, maintenance guides on mountain bikes apart so on the website Um, The headset one always goes down well Because it's uh, One time when I was trying to replace my headset It took me bloody ages to figure out where You know the order of the... Washer, yeah. uh, washer, uh, bearing—what uh, do you call them? Headset, crowd all I can't even remember. Yeah, there's like a
1: compression stuff. thing in
0: there. Yeah, and totally. eggs, yeah. So, I, so I took it all apart and I like logged it for myself, and I put all those pictures in our headset article. And that always—that's quite a popular one actually, because I don't think there's many out there that kind of log it from top bit to bottom bit. Mm. And there's like twelve bits in there, so worth a look there. Um, but yeah, that should get you on with with learning a bit more about it. What about courses? Have you ever done a you ever done a course on maintenance? No,
1: I haven't actually. It's just typically just been trial and error and uh, just building stuff up over the years. Really, uh, yeah. um, I, I've kind of thought about it once because at one point I thought about doing kind of uh, offering some sort of mobile bike maintenance service, kind sure. of because it seems like that you know it, it's still something I might do in the future actually if there's a if there's a fair need for it but yeah, I yeah. thought about going on some courses there and kind of looked at some that would give you you know a qualification kind of thing yeah um yeah. but they're, they're quite expensive yeah, and yeah. like we've said I think for your average person you, the the amount of youtube videos and resources that you can find just with a google search
0: yeah. is uh is enough for for most people i would say yeah for sure Aye, so that's one option isn't it it's, it's going towards the professional qualification to like say that's that's probably top end expensive mm. but yeah i mean if you want to get right into it and do everything um down to the complicated stuff like servicing forks and um and building wheels and stuff like that maybe be an option yeah yeah but, One, certainly one that I looked at and I'm similar, I've not done a paid course, but I'd certainly looked at a few over the years because when I lived in Edinburgh, for example, there's the the Edinburgh Bike Co-op is a great shop there, which they run a lot of courses. Um, So if you're in Scotland, that might be an option. They're not just in Edinburgh. I think they've got other branches around the country and they had everything from... Um, Total beginners Like first learning How to change your brake pads uh, Like the basic maintenance Basic weekly service and stuff Um, Right up to The the one that I was wanting to do with them Was the wheel building course I was really interested at one point In how to build a set of my own wheels I thought that'd be a cool thing to do um go out there research how to a good hub or rims uh put together the spokes myself all that kind of stuff i thought that'd be quite a cool thing to do yeah
1: it's something i've i mean if there's one sort of uh skill uh sort of technique that i that i really would like to learn it is it is wheel building because yeah. i'd quite like to sort of buy a hub and spec it with a rim and and just have that kind of uh that, that kind of skill in my arsenal so yeah, to yeah. speak but when I've tried to, I mean, I've watched YouTube videos on on how to do that side of things and uh, always failed miserably even at just truing a, I, truing a wheel. So I've got to go yet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truing a wheel, you, you get these rigs, don't you? You're supposed to put, well, the professionals yeah. put it on this rig that you spin and it's got a yarrow and you can make it like millimeter true. But, yeah, exactly. but whenever I've tried to do it, I've like, I've tried to do the loosen one side, tighten the other side, loosen, and yeah. then I end up with it going further offline. Yeah, me too. Than, more often than not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but yeah i'm sure it's just an act to it uh so yeah th- there's local bike shops for the, probably the next place to go uh, i'm sure local bike shops wherever you are um there's plenty around if you go to this at uh, bigger cities certainly there'll be there'll be a bike shop offering yeah. some courses and that um and the last one i've seen certainly was our local council in uh edinburgh offered Bike maintenance courses, so they, you know, they do, they get the kind of local colleges. Uh, they do evening classes quite often, and yeah. Edinburgh Council had a night class which was on bike maintenance. It was maybe cool. four or five, six weeks long. So it we got quite in depth actually. Like it went, I mean, the first few classes were just the basics, obviously, but then it it got down to proper stuff like um like like taking off the fork, fitting new fitting a new fork, like uh putting on a new brake system. It's sort of pretty in depth stuff. So that was quite a good one actually, and that was cheap as well. I find I find the, yeah. the evening classes run by local colleges are always ridiculously cheap, considering yeah. the amount, the hours of learning you get, and and generally the experts that do it as well. So that may be an option too, looking yeah, to local channel. night classes. Yeah. Mm. Alrighty. Any other tips there about how to learn?
1: Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I've done a I've done a bit of trial and error, yeah. and uh, the the error side of things can get a bit expensive so i would uh i would start off with things that you uh you can't really mess up too much yeah. and then uh, just yeah like you say find some sort of course or do some research online or, or just drop it into the bike shop if uh, yeah. if you there's a fair chance you're gonna
0: ruin something yeah totally i mean there's some things that you can only i mean for example so we'll go on to and uh, we'll maybe have a wee chat now about the, the sort of easier things to learn and the things you yeah. should start with and um the two sort of main ones i suppose are your brakes and your gears aren't they uh, like a lot of people will get your a lot of people get their brakes serviced they'll get their gears yeah. serviced maybe once every year uh but both of them are things that you can learn how to do mm-hmm. uh quite easily but the thing is with those you're not really going to break either are they like you can play around your gear index and and you can make it worse than it was before yeah exactly worst that happens is that you put it into the shop and they tune it up and it's not going to cost you more than if you just put it in without even trying in the first place
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's yeah. The thing is, you, I mean, you know, cutting your steerer tube too short or cross threading <laughs> your bottom bracket. Those are the kind of, I mean, I had a friend, I used to do a lot of mountain biking uh, with a friend when I was younger and he managed to, uh, buy a brand new Santa Cruz frame and cross thread the bottom bracket, Ooh. um, shell. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, that's not fixable <laughs> not very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what, what would you recommend the first two or three things or it, what, the first what would be the first thing you'd recommend somebody gives a shot um,
1: I would say I think indexing your gears and just, just working with the gears is a good yeah. one. So there's a there's a bit of a process to setting up, you know, a rear derailleur and that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. just learning those kind of basic steps with that um and just setting setting that up. And then I guess once mm. you once you manage to do that, you kind of realize that it's it's not rocket science and then you can get the ball rolling and move move on to other stuff
0: yeah 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 the gears are funny aren't they because they feel like a bit of a black art because the first few times i tried index my gears i was like this is i I have absolutely no idea what's going on here no matter what i do it just doesn't seem to get any better it's always clicking um but it was just a few little tricks that i learned along the years that makes it easier like i just simply pull in, so the cable wherever the cable is exposed for your rear gears for example mm. um, have it up in a well actually this is one tip whenever you're if you can buy a stand it makes things so much easier yeah it, it does
1: it? really that, that, that's definitely yeah, something that uh, I would I would definitely invest yeah. in if you were going to do your own yeah. sort
0: of maintenance yeah absolutely for every single whether it's brakes gears whatever it is it makes it so much easier because suddenly you can turn the pedals really easily with one hand and yeah. play around with the other hand and you're not like holding the bike up or, or holding it off the ground so that you can turn the, the wheel or whatever, as soon as you've got it in a stand and it's sturdy, everything becomes so much easier. Um, but yeah, with the gears, for example, you're turning the wheel, you're shifting. So you turn the pedals, you start shifting with the right hand, but with your, uh, or your left hand, sorry, but with your right hand, you kind of just tweak the cable and you can tighten it and loosen it a little bit so you can see yeah. which way you should be turning the, or tuning it, whether it's tightening it or loosening it to make it better. So it's just little tricks like that that kind of give you an indicator. I think that you learn just with a bit of practice or or going yeah. on to the class.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's as you as you do it as well and you work with those components, you kind of realise how they actually work. And then yeah. once you understand the kind of mechanism, you can you can then go, oh well, I can adjust it like this, and and you find those little hacks, like you said, Colin. You know, pulling the brake, pulling the uh, gear cable to take off some slack and you just uh, understand it as a you know more as a whole and then it's just yeah. easier to work on stuff
0: yeah definitely i mean change i suppose going out back to real basics actually changing a the tire there's a lot of people i know that don't yeah. know how to change uh, an inner tube um, I mean, that's simple as anything once you get it down. But again, even that has got little tricks to make it easier, like yeah. learning where to put the the levers, learning whether you should be using two or three or whatever. You know, some people use There's all sorts of different techniques out there. Yeah. Um, and then getting it back on, because getting that last little snap over the when you're trying to put it back on, that last snap over the, the rim, which is always the hardest bit. Mm-hmm. And knowing that if you just... You know, if you hold the wheel between your legs and as you're putting it in, you push it down as you're, you're sort of working around the rim, the tyre, the and that kind of tightens it up as you go. So that last bit's easier. Just silly little tricks like that just make a big difference. Yeah, they do. And it's hard to describe one here. So that's the kind of thing you probably <laughs> learn best from going along to a course or, or asking a pal that knows it quite well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. getting someone to show you how to do
0: it. Yeah. But I don't don't know about you, Tom, but that that's probably the order I would do. I would at least if you don't know how to change uh, an inner tube or a tire entirely, the tire as well. Try that first. Then maybe go to playing around with your gears, gear indexing. Like we said, the worst that can happen is they go completely out and you need to take it to the shop. But yeah. you would have done that anyway. Um on to changing brake pads. So you got your disc brakes. Um you'll need to change your brake pads at some point. That's I mean, that's pretty simple. Most people could manage that as well. Yeah. Um, brakes start to get complicated after that don't they so you could go on and try and learn how to bleed a set of brakes from there. yeah i was
1: gonna say i think the bleeding is kind of an intermediate kind of yeah, skill so yeah. if we if we have wheel building and suspension you know servicing as kind yeah. of the, the harder the kind of end, jobs yeah, yeah <laughs> i would say you, you're bleeding your brakes are sort of in the middle ground there either they're they're learnable it's just again learning the process but um they can be quite intimidating, and yeah, yeah, I guess there's more there's more room for things to go to, to <laughs> go wrong than uh, with the gears and changing an a tube and that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: everything from just getting yourself covered in uh, brake fluid to, yep. uh, to yeah to getting them full of air and you just don't really work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but I mean that's the main thing. The other, I mean, the other the intermediate one I would say is actually starting to change some parts, starting start to upgrade it yeah. yourself. We t- we covered that on previous um, a previous season when we were talking through the components and actually how you don't need many tools and it doesn't take many skills to say change your um say your bars so you want to change it from a riser to a flat or the opposite way around you just have to take you know you just have to have a good multi-tool so you can loosen off the brakes the the um the grips uh loosen it off from the stem and put in a new one so don't be afraid to try it out play around with it i would say yeah,
1: they've got they've gotten good. I think in in a way, like we were saying, there's there's so many standards now um, that for some things you do just need these kind of uh, purposeful tools that just that just fit that one singular bottom bracket cup or something like that. But uh, on the other side of things. Uh you can do a lot with just a multi tool. So yeah, they've gotten yeah. quite good at like making most of the bike serviceable just with kind of a multi-tool and a and a few wrenches and that kind of thing. Um yeah, yeah. it's just those annoying little areas where they uh keep introducing a standard every <laughs> every year that comes with a new tool
0: yeah uh, that's a bit annoying exactly yeah bottom brackets seem to be the worst for that for me they do I can't (laughs) believe how many standards there are (laughs) yeah but uh, no it's, it's possible though it's good to it's good to get into it so I hope that I hope that gave you some tips Stephen um Yeah. I mean, it looks like you're already getting into it. I mean, you're looking at YouTube videos and websites and he mentioned uh, Seth's Bike Hacks and Oz Cycle. So they're two resources as well. Worth a look if you're out there looking for more tips. But uh, yeah, if anyone else has any resources, anything else you want us to mention on future shows, tell us where you go for your... Uh, for your maintenance uh, upgrades, for your for your training, and if you know any good courses out there too, any good ways to to get taught, basically how to how to learn how. In fact, it pops into my head in Scotland certainly. I don't know if there's anything else, anything like this uh, in England or elsewhere around the world, but in Scotland you've got um, places called the bike station which is a charity almost it's, uh, yeah. it's where people donate their bikes so if your bike's old and knackered you can just hand it into the bike station and basically they do it up and then they sell it on and it's a charity uh, in that they just try they donate bikes to to kids that can't afford bikes and um, they, they, they teach as well so it just occurs to me that you can go in there you can hire a station so you can go in there for like £5 an hour you hire a station where they give you a stand access to all the tools in the world mm-hmm. and um, a person that's on hand to give you tips as you go so it's not directly one to one I mean he, he won't stand with you for an hour and teach you how to do things but you can have a go and if you're struggling you can see. Age, can you give me a couple ends here what am I doing wrong and a guy yeah. will come over and give you a hand so that's some that's another way too just just occurred to me just then um there's a few of them are in Scotland certainly one in England at Perth uh sorry in Edinburgh and Perth and they're starting one in Dundee as well I think so it yeah, could be I, a seem few
1: to, I seem to remember the one being um in in headingley just outside of Leeds as well cool. so I'm, I'm sure they're probably dotted around if you oh, good stuff search around
0: yeah 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 perfect all right well hope that covers it again uh we'll try and round up as much of this as possible in the show notes at mountainbikesapart.com forward slash three one wait a minute what did i say again three one zero Is that the right episode three one, zero yeah three, three one zero yeah three ten so mountainbikesapart.com forward slash three ten uh yeah that's about it for today so hope you enjoyed that hope you got something useful out of that thanks again for joining me tom
1: uh, no problem colin good to talk through some bike maintenance stuff again
0: indeed indeed and i'll talk to you on the next episode cheers thanks